You're listening to Creative Encounters, where creators freely talk about faith, creativity, and inspiration. Brought to you by Candle Culture. Hi, Oriana. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Of course. So for those who do not know, who are you and what is your story? Uh, that's always a really interesting question for me. Um, so I guess if I could summarise it, I am a visual artist uh, by profession. Um, and my story is, I guess, that I am passionate about all things creativity um, and how it is very much intertwined with how we live our lives. Because um, I think that creativity often is often seen as quite superficial. So it's just like a piece of music that you listen to or um, a film that you go and watch or a piece of art that you see in a gallery. Uh, but people can't often link that with how it relates to their daily life. So my story is just centered around how that, how creativity has shaped my own life, my own upbringing. So I was fortunate to have been raised by two creative parents. And so I was surrounded by creativity my entire life. Uh, my mom works in the film industry and my dad is a cake decorator. So I got to experience kind of like the best of both worlds in terms of like performing arts and visual arts. So my dad's like cake business ran from our home for like over 10 years. So I would, we had like this, like the boys, the boys quarters at the back that he turned into his cake factory. So, you know, before I'd go to school in the morning, I'd go and see what he was working on. When I'd come back from school, he'd still be working on it. And so I got that full experience of watching my dad craft things. And then on the, the film side, I used to like sit down sometimes and help my mom while she was reading her scripts or going over scripts. Um, I remember us going to like one or two film sets that she was on. I even feel like there was a time where she tried to kind of put us in front of the camera in terms of like acting, but that didn't go very down. That didn't go down very well for me. So I'm not much of an actor. <laughs> I like to speak, I like to perform poetry, but I don't consider myself an actor. Um, so yeah, I feel like ha having that experience was, you know, I had a rich experience in terms of creativity. Um, I had lots of interests as well. So I think my issue growing up was I didn't know what it was that I wanted to do because I had so, I was being fed so much and I could actually, I'm someone who can pick up a skill quite quickly. So I learned how to do this, I learned how to do that. And then it was kind of like, okay, I know how to do all these things, but which one do I actually want to do? So I went through lots of different phases. I had a makeup phase, I had a fashion phase, I had a, I worked for my dad's friend, he was a florist, and then I finally settled on painting <laughs> um incredible so I'm just thinking because you had creative parents did you feel any pressure to go into something and I know I always preach about how a lot of what we do in general is creative from business to you know even working in finance can be creative if you make it but did you feel any pressure to go into things that are widely considered creative because your parents were there um no, not really. I don't think my parents ever pressured us to do anything. So I think we all have our different like strengths and experience. I'm the first of six children. And so all of us have our different interests. Some of them 
which lean towards creativity, obviously, by virtue of our upbringing in some ways. But I also believe that it's a, it's a thing of, like, you're born into your family. And oftentimes when you think of what you carry, it's also based on what your parents carry. So I, I actually see myself as a fruit of, like, creative legacy. And when I actually look down through, like, my history, so my maternal grandma used to be a fashion designer um, and a tailor, and then my paternal grandma is used to do cakes as well. So that's where my dad picked it up from. And I'm sure if I go back even further, there will be some sort of creative skill that comes from either side. So I just, I see myself as a continuation of that legacy. But like my little sister, she's 18. She's um, studying law at King's. So we all have like... But again, that's I find that interesting because again, on my dad's side of fam, on my dad's side of the family, um, it's a family of lawyers. So my granddad, um, and a lot of my dad's brothers. I think my dad is the only one who ventured off into doing something creative. But on that side of the family, it's just law. So I'm not surprised that my sister had chosen to go down the law path as well. So it, it feels like there's this like yeah. picking up of different skills from different parts of the family. Incredible, amazing. So I'm happy that you, you know, decided to go into um, art specifically and being an artist because you are quite good at it. And I'm wondering what specialty, like what is your area of specialty and like what is a day in your life like as an artist? Um, I'd say that my area, my area of specialty is always changing. Um, I think it's always interesting when people ask you what's your area of specialty as an artist because sometimes you feel like painting a portrait sometimes you know you paint a landscape uh, for me I'm often just inspired by what I see and that kind of comes out in different forms so I would say currently my my interests are leaning towards like the textile mm side of things um so I mentioned that I have a fashion background so I actually went and did a year of fashion at university but I didn't like it as a degree course so I dropped out and changed my course but I think what I did enjoy when I did fashion was I liked playing with fabric so I I didn't much enjoy like actually sewing things but I liked to make like patterns on fabric um and see what fabric could be turned into. So I would like sketch a design, I would sketch like a fabric or textile design and I would sketch like the clothes I wanted to make from it. But when it came to actually sewing it, that was when where things were a bit messy for me. So I feel like there's a kind of re <laughs> a reigniting of that interest at the moment. So I think at the moment I'm combining a lot of different art forms together so I would say that I really, really, the thing that I'm probably best at is landscapes. Um, so I'm combining my interests for like landscapes and my interest for time textiles together to like make lots of different pieces of work. Um, in terms of a day in a life, it's very complex because I do a lot of different things. So my days look very different from each other. Um, at the moment, I work part-time for another artist at his studio. So I do that about three days a week. Where, so I work, yeah, as a painting assistant. Okay. Um, people often ask me, like, what do, you, what do you mean by that? Do you, like, hold his 
brush while he's whilst he paints um no but that when you work as a painting assistant for an artist essentially when you when you become quite commercial as an artist and you are essentially producing lots of work you obviously cannot paint that work yourself because you're only one person so what tends to happen is a lot of like uh, big artists who are producing work at that scale will employ a group of other artists to assist with, with making their work. And so I'm one of those artists, basically. And essentially, when I'm not doing that, I'm working on my own work and I am working on my business. Amazing. You're very busy. Wow. You're very, very busy. So, like, how do you manage your time to ensure that you're doing all the things that you do very well? Um... I wouldn't even say that I still, I've clocked the formula for it. Just, yeah, I think I've, I've started to adopt things that I feel like work. Um, I would say that this year was very challenging because actually this year is my first year as a fully self-employed sort of artist. So whether that's me working at this studio or doing my own thing. So I mean, before then I had like other jobs. So what has been really interesting is being self-employed my time is my own in many ways so I get to schedule things um so it's actually been learning the discipline of how to schedule my time because now my time is my own so like I mentioned so what I've been doing is I set myself stuff to do each day basically Um, and I and I have it as a kind of format for every week so like I mentioned earlier, I work three days a week at the studio. So three days a week at the studio is pretty standard for me every week. Um, and I could fill my entire week with work at the studio, but then that doesn't give me time to work on my own art. And I kind of lose a sense of myself when I'm working on someone else's art and don't get the chance to work on my own. So I only do three days at the studio so that I have one day where I can actually just paint for myself. And then the other day um, is for business admin. So the other day is to, to do everything to do with my business. So whether that's like responding to emails or um, I'm currently doing an incubator program and we have like a pitch day coming up. So working on my pitch deck is something that I would be doing on that day as well. Um, having lots of meetings, like I probably have like back to back five, six, 45 to an hour meetings, talking to like potential investors, potential clients. Um, I'm also building the team for the business as well. So potential people who want to be a part of the team. So yeah, so basically Monday and Friday, are, Mondays and Fridays are my days, quote unquote. And then Tuesday to Thursdays are my working days at the studio. Cause I say my days, but I'm actually still working for other people if you think about it. Um, it's just not work that I do at the studio. But yeah. Okay. So I know you've talked about your business a couple of times and I want to know what that is and um, when did the vision for that come? Um, so I run the Medela School, which is a visual arts platform. Um, and we provide educational and well-being support through art classes and workshops. So 
what that looks like is we offer skill-based art classes, so essentially nurturing the next generation of visual artists, um, which I think right now is quite crucial, especially where I am. Um, so I'm currently in the UK, and um, if you know you follow anything to do with like the arts industry in the UK, then you will learn that there's been lots of cuts to funding for like arts education and arts courses um, and even just arts programs and events. So a lot of uh, aspiring artists are at a loss at the moment. They don't have anywhere to go to go and like improve their skill um, and get up to the level in their career that they want to, to go. Uh, so we want to help support that through training them in their skill of art and then also training them in professional skills so what it looks like to be a professional artist. So that can look like anything from learning how to put together an, an artist CV, um, doing your artist website, creating a portfolio for brand opportunities. Um, and then the other side of things is we offer therapeutic art classes. And this is essentially where people, or we get people to use art as a tool to help them improve their well-being. So the same way people kind of lean on things like journaling or um, exercise, we want to empower people and show people that art is also something that they can utilise. Okay, amazing. That's really, really powerful. And I think I want to now go much deeper in the faith space and I want to understand, because I know that your faith really inspires you and it's been beautiful to watch online how you share how your faith intersects with your art. And I want to know how faith became real for you. When did you really believe that, okay, God is real and I want God to be part of my daily life and also my work? Um, again, I mean, not to big up my parents too much, but to big them up. Because the two things that my parents did very, very well was were nurturing us in our interests that I guess led to what we would do as careers and then also nurturing our spiritual journey. So I was raised Christian. Um, both my parents um, are Christians and we had a very, I think in many ways, I had a very non-traditional um, Nigerian up upbringing, if you can call it that. It was very, I, have a, I had a very modern upbringing in that my parents did things very differently from other like Nigerian parents when I okay. think about it and when I like talk to other people. So when it came to faith, I think that as a child, I feel like my parents gave me a lot of autonomy. Um, so for example, like we didn't go to church every Sunday. Some Sundays we stayed at home and we prayed together as a family and we would like watch movies after. Um, and that's sometimes that could just be based off the fact that my dad was working overnight and he was just too tired to like, get us all together to drive to church. But it didn't mean that I remember being young and my mom always saying like, God is not in church. God is with you. So whether or not you go to church on a Sunday, God is still there. So if we stay at home to pray, God has not left us because we didn't go to church on Sunday. Like my mom used to have a, a bottle of anointing oil that she would anoint us with. She would tell us that, you know, you, you don't have to have a bottle of anointing oil that comes from the pastor. You can anoint yourself if you're feeling unwell. Um, 
and so she really like my parents really encouraged us to to take authority over over our own relationships with God so I would say the first I guess spiritual experience I probably had was maybe before my in my preteens, and I remember I used to have like lots of dreams I used to dream about stuff and I would tell my mom about it and so she would explain what was happening from a spiritual perspective and my mom was the person who gave me my first journal and she said when you wake up in the morning whatever you dreamt about write it down if you see any pictures write it write like write what you see you know if you want to draw it draw what you see just just document it basically and it wasn't until I got older that I realized that what she was doing was that she was nurturing the prophetic in me. So I'm quite prophetic. Um, and so my, my mom was was already, my mom could see that. And so she was basically pointing me in the direction of how to to maintain maintain that. So I think, yeah, growing up, I didn't, I don't remember having a time when I didn't know that God was real. I feel like God has always been very, very real to me because, um, yeah, my parents helped nurture nurture that. Like, so sometimes during Christmas or like New Year's as well. Again, we wouldn't go to church, but my parents would say, "We're gonna have devotion, and I'm I'm gonna get all of you to go and go and read a Bible verse, and you're going to come and preach to us wow. about what you learned from that Bible verse." So, like, we would take turns yeah. to preach. So even like my passion for the word and learning the word um, and sharing it came from that place as well. So that's, I think the only, I think, I think the only thing that I will say though, is I think when I got to my late teens into almost early twenties, I did have a bit of like a, a conflict in one sense. So I think what did, change for me or became realer for me was the fact that I am I'm one whole person and so my spiritual life is not separate from my everyday life so that was the thing that I probably did struggle with if I struggled with with anything so I remember there was a point in time when I used to think that I was called to be a pastor and that was very very separate from what I do as an artist not to say that that may you know may never happen or that's not the case, but I there was a thing in my brain that said, you know, your calling, your Christian calling is different from like your vocational skill. Yeah. When actually you can marry the two. Yeah, you And they can become the one. Like my 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 artistic gift. Yes, my artistic gift is a gift from God. It's not separate from what God wants to do with me spiritually. And so I did used to have that kind of conflict and see it as separate. So the thing that did happen was God began to show me that it was kind of one and the same. Yeah, amazing. And I'm very happy to hear that your parents gave you a lot of autonomy in this journey of faith, because I think it's so much more helpful, honestly, for people to discover God, Jesus, Holy Spirit in a very, in a way that is free, because that is the foundation of knowing Christ right freedom and so when there are all these like stringent rules and laws it doesn't really help anyone but I would say though that I grew up with a mom that exactly. come hail storm 
anything, we would go to church. And so, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I feel like there was still some autonomy there because she would still give us freedom to encounter, even in going to church, what we wanted to, or, you know, the readings, what did you think and all of that. We still had a voice in that. So, but I think it was helpful for us to be, I wouldn't even say dragged, but like to be, you know, um, to follow her to church. Yeah, as a child, you, there's, a, there's a, a sense of being dragged to church because then you don't learn to go when you're older if you didn't go when you were younger. Exactly. I was going to, that's where, that's where I was going to finish up. I was going to say, I think they say bring a child. There's a saying about bringing a child up in a certain way and the, the child will not depart from that. And now I go because I want to, but because she raised me that way, I was, I didn't depart from it. Um, and now I, I know it for myself. I would say it's because I kept going, even when I didn't understand if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So speaking of, so speaking of dreams, this is a question I have been dying to ask you. So in, I think February or March of 2021, you wrote down a prophecy in your journal and you said, it is time to be in tune with the whispers of God. What is God whispering? Art advisory board. Yesterday, I felt a strong sense about being part of shaping the ethics of the art industry. I don't know if God wants me to join an existing board or create one. And then in May, you became a board trustee of Roundhouse London. Tell me about that. How did you know that it was God speaking when you first got the prophecy? And then when the prophecy came to fruition, how did that strengthen your faith? I love things like this, by the way. This is God, really. Yes, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, things like this excite me. And like you said, these are the things that make me like know that God is real. Like they make God yes. very, it makes God very tangible um, for me. Um, in terms of like getting that prophecy, I think like I shared before, I've always been able to hear the voice of God, like since I was little. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe you, the few times I could hear it when I was younger, I may not have known necessarily that it was God speaking to me, but at some point I did. And so since then, if I hear something, I, I know that it's God. Um, I know people often say that they kind of struggle with being able to kind of separate what voice is God and what voice isn't God. My yeah. belief is that if you if you feel that, you know, God, you you know, you carry God on the inside of you, then God is always speaking to you. Mm. Um, it may not be something you want to hear. It may not be something that you understand. It may not be something you're well acquainted with, but he's always speaking to you. So I always like whatever he, I, I hear, if you're, you know, if you're sitting to listen, you will hear. And whatever I hear, I write it down. And then, you know, once I, I get it out there, I will always inquire with God and say, God, you know, is this you? Is this for right now? Is this for a later date? So there's a lot there. I think there's a few questions I ask whenever I I receive a word or I feel like I've re received a word. You know, I'm like, God, is this you? So oftentimes when I receive a word and I ask God if it's him, um, I often feel a peace about the word if it is him. And sometimes, oftentimes down the line, I get a confirmation from someone else. That is actually God that spoke. So usually I get a word from God directly first and then someone else speaks to me. We're like having a conversation, sometimes even very random and not related to the word. And then they say something 
that makes me think, oh, that's what that word was about. So even this word about being on an advisory board, interestingly enough, I think it was around the same time I got a voice note from an aunt of mine and she said she had had a dream about me. And so she was describing the dream and it was something to do with like, um, like obviously me being an artist, but she said that the space that I was in, that I was in a space with like lots of different like celebrities and I, I got to kind of determine the kind of scope of the industry and I was like okay this is interesting and so like listening to her describe the dream was confirmation already that the advisory board was was going to be something that happened um and I think I've also known for a long time so probably the last two to three years um that I'm called to be a part of shaping the creative industry in that way. So not just be by virtue of being an artist, but actually getting to determine what the the standard is for creatives. So whether that's how creators work, what you know, whether that's you know trying to um, determine better equity for creators. So creative creators being paid for their work. And being paid adequately, um, what what kind of work is is valued and seen and acknowledged? Um, so I've known that for years now. And oftentimes, when I receive a word related to that, it's just I know that it's from God, just by virtue of the fact that that's the wider vision. It's just a case of clarifying: God, is this something for now, or is this something for later? So the advisory board was very much a now, like I, I, I wrote that down knowing that that was a now word. Um, what I didn't know was whether it was going to be me creating it or me getting to join one. But the minute the opportunity at the roundhouse came, I applied for it. It's interesting because I just done a program with them. And so one of my mentors from the program, she sent me the application. And so she said, you would be really great for this, apply. I've never been a trustee before. I've never been, I don't have any board experience, but I just applied. Um, and I got through to the interview stage and then I got the call that I was on the board and I knew that that was God because I don't have any experience of doing something like that. Um, and so I know that God placed me there. Thank God, first of all. I love that, thank God. Um, Another thing I'm also thinking about is what you said about um, just who gets to decide what is valued and what is seen. And I've always asked that question. I had like a whole year where, where I was exploring art and art history. So I, I had an art history fellowship and then I worked at a museum. And, you know, that's not my calling. So I don't do that anymore. But yeah, but I did it for a whole year and it was really, really cool. Um, but one thing that I couldn't get over was I just kept wondering, like, is people that decide all these things, you know, the tastemakers and the stakeholders, so the museums and the gallerists and all of those people. And I just wish that people who would bring um, more inclusivity and diversity and even just beauty to the entire thing will get to sit at the tables. And I'm so happy that you are already in that space because, and even knowing that you're also a kingdom girl, I'm very happy because I know that you would, you would, um, you know, bring heaven to earth in, <laughs> in those spaces. 
So as we get to the end, I really want to ask you about yourself as an artist. And um, I want to know on the days where your art is not accepted, where they say, oh, you know, we don't want this. Um, this is not good enough. Even hearing that, how do you preserve self? So self-love, self-care um, and wholeness and that nothing is missing from you, even if there's some rejection? Um, that's an interesting question to be asking me at this time because I'm definitely going I'm that's something I'm actually processing at the moment um I was actually saying to someone just yesterday on a phone call that I was having that I've been struggling a lot with um, imposter syndrome um and it has come from a place of having been rejected a lot so I always uh, say to people that what's really interesting is that for most people, rejection is something that happens in a particular situation. So, you know, maybe you're applying for lots of jobs and then you get rejected and eventually you get one. So you're in that job and that's that about that. So you don't experience rejection again until maybe you're applying for a higher position. With being an artist and an entrepreneur, I basically live with rejection. I basically, so I can wake up in the morning and receive like three or four rejection emails from like an artist residency I applied for, a gallery, um, maybe some funding that I applied for for my business or a program that I wanted to do for my business or like a potential client who said, oh, they, they're not going to go with us. And that's just the start of my day. By the end of my day, I could probably received an, have received another three rejection emails. So that's eight rejection emails. <laughs> in one day um and that's the, wow. just the top end of my week that that's still something that could possibly happen in the middle of the week by the end of the week so by the end of the week I've maybe experienced rejection 15 16 times um so my experience with rejection is is different in that way that I get I I experience it a lot so having a mechanism to process and deal with that has been very very interesting because of the volume in which I am experiencing it but one of the things that I have been doing recently is I think that God is doing a lot with me in terms of um, renewing my mind when it comes to my identity and being able to see myself outside of what I do so like I'm doing a lot of work on who is Oriana when Oriana just exists as Oriana, not Oriana the artist, not Oriana the yeah. founder, not Oriana the first daughter of six children, not Oriana this person's best friend, not Oriana this person's girlfriend. Just, just who, who is Oriana? Like, what does she like doing? What does she like to engage with? Like, that's yeah. something I really struggled with a couple of years ago. I sat down with myself and I realized I didn't have any hobbies. All of my hobbies <laughs> were related to my work or were basically my work because I'm an artist and I actually do find joy in making art. It's very easy for me to lean on that as my whole life because I actually enjoy it. Yeah. But actually, it's, it's still work and it's still my work. It's still my career. And so if I don't have any identity outside of that, then like, what do I have? 
So I've been going through this process of trying to build my identity outside of what I do. So really engaging in the things that I like to do that aren't related to me being an artist. I love nature, so I love to go for walks. Um, when the weather is nice, going to the beach is something I enjoy doing. Um, I love the theatre, so I like to go and watch plays when I can, or go into the cinema to watch a film. Um, I love music. Music is something I'm obsessed with. Um, so something that I found real joy in doing this year has been just like curating playlists. Um, a lot of the playlists that I actually end up curating become like music that inspires artwork that I make. But in the first place, it's just something that I like to do in my pastime. So I like going um, to go and like discover new artists. So like for my Spotify personality, I got The Adventurer. So I really, really love like digging for like new music. Um, I love to support like new artists that are good. And so I would spend like hours just on Spotify, like picking up on new music, creating lots of different playlists. Um, and then that might inspire some like poetry or writing for myself and then it's eventually inspire some art as well. But in the first place, that process of curating music together is just something that I do for joy. It's not my profession um, or anything like that. It's just so finding little things like that that give me joy, that aren't related to what I do as work has been the thing that has been really defining for me this year in terms yeah. of building my identity outside of who I am as an artist and helping me process that rejection, basically. Yeah, amazing. And just while you were speaking, this um, quote came to mind that this is not your source. Like, this work that you do is not besides it not being your be all and end all, like it's not your source, like your source is God, your source is the spirit, all yeah. of that. I remember yeah. hearing that on a on a podcast um, with um, Reme, the founder of Uncover Conversations, but she said that and it was so powerful to hear because sometimes we forget that this is not our source and that grounds me even at work and everything I'm doing that, you know, it's it's about, it's about God. Yeah. If you think deeply about it. So last question before rapid fire, um, are you still able to paint purely for joy? Because I know that you earn for your, um, from your art and it's now you know part of business and all of that. Does, does it still feel like something that is joyful and peaceful for you? Um, that is, it's hard to say because I think I, I did struggle with that this year as well. And I think it's all kind of linked me kind of coming to terms with my true identity like in Christ and then being able to paint for joy is all part of one big puzzle um so this year I haven't painted for joy um a lot and that's because I think I've been wow. really struggling with who I am outside of the things that I do I did paint for joy today before this interview I woke up really early this morning um, yeah, but I've I can, just I can done see your hands. I can see. Yes, it's <laughs> based on my hands. Yes, so today was really exciting, but it's interesting because I woke up this morning after a five day fast. So 
I did a five day prayer and fast as part of like a, uh, it was hosted by a, a women's ministry. And I realized when I woke up this morning that doing that fast helped me deal with my mental exhaustion. So like I woke up this morning and it felt, it just felt like the fog was gone. Um, and I feel like I've been carrying that fog around the entire year. And it's just an amalgamation of all the different, because I do so many different things. There's so many different things to be thinking about. There's so many different things to be working on. And it be- it can become very exhausting. And then it can eventually feel like I don't have time to paint for joy. Um, and so I feel like I had to just be able to deal with that mental fog. And fasting this week helped me do that. So I woke up this morning like very, very excited about life, very, very motivated. And I was like, okay, I'm going to paint. Um, and so, I, yeah, I would say today is the first day <laughs> that I've really painted for joy this year. It's interesting that it's come at the end of the year. But I think there's even a feeling of this month being the beginning of the year for me. So whilst it's the end of the year for most people uh, or like, you know, in, in reality, it's the end of the year. It's actually this December is my January, basically, um, in my brain. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like God is opening up like this new world of me having found my rhythm of everything that I'm doing and what that looks like whilst including being able to paint for joy. Um, so I think I've yeah. I've gotten the picture of what that looks like. It's now about kind of stepping into it. Beautiful. Okay, so rapid fire. And this is just for people to get to know a bit more about you mm-hmm. um, and also your connection to God. So whatever comes to mind first, you can just say, what's your go-to song while you paint? Oh my God. That's, sorry, that threw me <laughs> off so What's my go-to song to paint for you? Um, I would say clear your soul when I'm in your arms. Beautiful. Who's your favorite artist if you can choose one? Yeah. Yeah. So painting artist. Um I would say Yinka Shonibare. Okay. Favorite museum or gallery in the world? Oh, I mean I've not been to a lot of museums in the world. I've just been to lots of museums in the UK. Um so I would say that I really enjoy the Victoria Miro Gallery, which is it's like somewhere in central London. Basically. Um, what has been the most memorable moment of your career? Ooh. <laughs> let me see, let me see. This is a, this is a tough one. Um, I wouldn't say it, it's been the most memorable moment of my career. But I'd say maybe it's been the most memorable memorable moment of my journey as an artist. And it was actually graduating from my degree with a first class. Wow. Because I really, really did not think that I was it was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, incredible. Um, favorite Bible verse. Uh my favorite Bible verse is in Ephesians. It's Ephesians one verses four to five. Ephesians 1 verse. What does it say? Do you remember? Where God talks. Um, the, the general gist of the verse is God is talking about um, 
how he it's kind of similar to the the verse in Jeremiah that talks about God knew you before he formed you so essentially your identity outside of your salvation like like before the creation of the verse talks about how before the creation of the world God ordained you to be holy like your holiness is not predicated on what you do God actually woke up and said that's my child she's holy and then you now live from that place um yeah, it's a great identity. Yeah, that the God calls us righteous. Yeah. Um, what yes. brings you joy? Yeah. Uh, music. Music is, is my joy. <laughs> I find so much joy in just like digging through music. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm actually thinking of learning how to produce, like when I get some spare time in a few months. Because I really like, I just, I love the oh, idea. Cool. Yeah, I love the idea of curating. So it would be nice to be able to curate sounds. Yeah, yeah, that's how like candle culture has progressed. Like, I, I don't know if you know, but I curate playlists like every week. Yes. And so I have like 120 something playlists now since we first started. Oh, yeah, wow. it's been really good. And music is just so powerful. So I'm so happy that. That we share that interest. Yeah. Okay, if you could ask God for one thing, um, I would ask God for the. Hmm. I would ask God to to speed up the process of me being able to just be an artist. If I could ask God for one thing right now, so like I actually, I mm-hmm. I'm constantly like imagining and dreaming yeah. about the day when I'm just living and making art so I can just be a mom and make art be a wife and make yeah. art um I'm maybe I'm sitting on on like a bunch of different boards yeah. and this this time you know all these boards are, are boards that pay me money and I'm doing consultancy work for them but I'm basically just doing it from my house over zoom and I'm in my studio just painting so yeah my prayers always feel like god to speed up that process <laughs> yeah. okay and then last question complete this i know that god is alive because yes. uh he helps me find balance well amazing oriana thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and all that you shared today i feel really good i hope that everyone that listens um feels just as good when they listen to this Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening.